Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Edit audio. Hello and welcome to Confessions, a podcast by Cosmo where your secrets are safe with us. My name is Mia Lardier, and today I am joined by my guest co-host, Cosmo Senior Shopping Editor, Kim Long. Hi, Kim. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So in this podcast, we respond to anonymous confessions with help from a guest expert and try and give some advice. Before we get into this week's confession, do you have something that you want to confess? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I, I feel like I need to preface this first okay. by saying that I consider myself a very peaceful person. Okay. I don't normally do, quote, bad things. Okay. But um, I have recently done, I don't know, I don't know if you would say it bad. I guess it's for a good reason. Chosen violence. Chosen violence. Yeah. Yes. So recently... I've become a little bit more confrontational. Mm. And I feel like I will do that happily if I feel like I'm standing up for someone or something or yeah. like a principal or right. something. Sure. So as a person on the internet, mm-hmm. every now and then I'll get, you know, a negative comment mm-hmm. that is race related. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to just kind of, you know, delete, block, move on right. or whatever. But then I guess one night I was particularly very angry (laughs) just like the last straw right it was like this is too racist (laughs) (laughs) too far (laughs) and i wanted to know more about that person because i was like why do the people do things like this right right so i started looking up the username trying to find everything that i could right couldn't find anything realized it was a burner account Mm. um and then i was like let me just try something and it made no sense i had no plan whatsoever but i was just like let me put their username into the login part and then just like hit forgot password right because obviously i don't know their password the goal wasn't to hack in or anything right but i just wanted to know a little bit more and i know that if you hit you know forget password it comes up like the their like censored email or like their censored phone number surprise surprise couldn't find any like none of that information (laughs) was useful whatsoever but then i was like what if i just keep doing this so i put in their username again, hit forgot password and did right. it enough times in a row yeah. to where it like flagged Instagram mm-hmm. enough. And and I got this page back that was like, this account is now locked. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, when I like You hack the mainframe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's really what it does yeah. or whatever. Maybe it just like sends like another like email to their account. Right. But I was like, if I can just, you know, instill a little bit of fear in them. Right. Like or, I got my eye on you. Right. Like yeah. somebody like you're 
burner account where you leave racist messages <laughs> is threatened. Right. <laughs> or, you know, if I could cost them a little bit of inconvenience, then right. I'm like, I'm all for it. Yeah. So that's become a pattern for me. <laughs> Just seeking out, avenging. Yeah. Yes, I think that's a really smart idea. I think that's a great thing. And I think that is a great way to choose violence if you're going to choose it. Exactly. So again, I'm a pacifist. <laughs> but if your account is locked, you know who did it. <laughs> Please don't try it on me. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into this week's confession. The law of nature says that the things that we want the most are the things that we can't have. In today's confession, the object of an unattainable desire is a coworker. Confessions Robot, let's go the secret. I have a ridiculous crush on a work colleague. I'm married, he's in a relationship. I go out of my way to avoid him and don't speak in meetings that we're both in as I don't want to draw attention to myself. Yet I spend hours thinking about him. It's so painful as nothing will ever happen between us, but the infatuation is so persistent. I don't want to change jobs, so how can I get over this? It's been this way for almost 18 months. Our guest today is Heather Hefaleski, who writes the popular Ask Polly advice column on Substack and is the author of Foreverland on the divine tedium of marriage, the essay collection, What If This Were Enough, the advice book, How to Be a Person in the World, and the memoir, Disaster Preparedness. She maintains the Ask Molly newsletter written by Polly's evil twin and has written for The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, The Atlantic, and many other publications. She lives in Chapel Hill, North Carolina with her husband, two daughters, and two dogs. Thank you, Heather, for being here today. Thank you for having me. So we have this really interesting confession. I just kind of want to go around the room and ask, has everybody here had a crush on their coworker at some point? You know, I've worked from home for a long time, so I've never really had a coworker, but um, yes, I have had a crush for sure. Yeah. How about you, Kim? No. I mean, we work with mostly like it's an all-female staff. So unless you're into women, I guess it's right, exactly. impossible. So no. I did have a work crush once. It was when I was like 16. I was working at a pizza shop. Oh, easy. Yes, easy. And so like everybody <laughs> is like also 16 and hot. Even though we were like in a pizza shop, there's something about work that it's so boring sometimes. And yes. like, especially if you're unfulfilled by your job, that like having a shiny object that you like to come to work to and see, it's like, you know, your cup of coffee proverbially that you can go to and like drink. I have realized I am a liar right now in this podcast because I, too, was 16 and I had a crush on my coworker. Did you ever hook up with this person? No. Oh, because I hooked up it's with mine. funny. Oh, you... I sorry. <laughs> I completely blacked this out. <laughs> yeah. It was great. You know, 16 dreams. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. I had a crush at work, too, when I was 16. So it must wow. be a universal... Uh, Universal experience. It is, yeah. It's a canon event. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets obsessed with someone at sixteen. Your first kiss, your first sixteen-year-old yes. crash. Exactly. Yeah, you gotta get out there and get a job if you're sixteen, man. Right. I know that's how it happens. Fertile, yeah. fertile territory. Yeah. <laughs> well, Heather, you write about the crush that found you as a married woman in your book Foreverland. Can you explain how it came about and what it felt like at first? Yeah, it was very unexpected. I was at a dinner with some other writers and it was sort of like a high energy, fun, kind of funny, flirtatious dinner in general. Mm -hmm. And because I work from home um, and I've worked from home since, I don't know, 98, <laughs> like, you know, my entire <laughs> life, it just wasn't at the time common for me to 
dress up, leave the house, leave my children, my husband, drive yeah. across town in LA and sit down to a nice dinner and sort of, whoa, like there are some attractive men at this table. This is right. interesting. Mm-hmm. So I was probably pretty um, energetic. And I do think that because I write an advice column, I've sort of evolved into a very extremely honest type of human being. I mean, yeah. I've always been pretty direct, but I think sometimes my honesty is mistaken for flirtation. Mm. But at the end of the dinner, I felt this kick under the table mm. from this person who's pretty attractive and smart. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, I know this person knew I was married. So I was like, what the hell is that? I drove home. I immediately told my husband everything. And I was like, what do you think? What do you think it's about? Like, am I right. just so attractive that he just couldn't, you know, like, does he want to sleep with me? Like, what does this person run around doing this all the time? <laughs> and so um, that's where it started. And then I didn't really think that much of it. And then it grew into this kind of obsession and major crush out of the blue, unexpectedly, wow. very strangely. I feel like that's sometimes that just how they come on. It's like you don't even know what hit you. Right. I mean, it makes total sense. Like if you have not been in an environment where you're around a lot of guys like looking their best, it's new people. It's like new exposure, right. new, new feelings, all yeah. that. I sort of talked to the person a little bit and sort of left the door open to like, are you going to explain this? Right. And he never addressed it. Eventually, I became obsessed partially because I was like, I need the answer to this. Right. Just <laughs> I to need to know the what the... Yeah, I, I have a low tolerance for mystery. I'm just like, what, <laughs> yeah. you know, why am I not understanding what this is? I haven't had a bit of intrigue in my life for <laughs> something like 15 years now. Yeah, I don't blame so, you at all. I mean, I, how did your husband react to all this in the end? Well, he thought it was really funny. Yeah. And then I felt really guilty almost immediately. I was raised Catholic. Mm. Um, I never expected to have a crush. I really am crazy about my husband and our marriage was perfectly like maybe better than ever at the time actually Mm. I just felt bad that I was thinking about it so much so I ended up talking to him about it a lot in order to process why I was thinking about it so much which you know it almost Mm -hmm. feeds it but on the other hand I didn't want to keep it this private thing right Right. yeah because then it just felt like it was going to mutate into like this crazy fantasy universe Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with reality which i mean any crush is like that unfortunately if you're not talking to the you're not actually talking to the person the crush is basically just a construction of you know you're building something with your head right Mm -hmm. exactly i think there was like a saying i saw recently that a crush is an infatuation without information so it's like you have no idea if like this person like picks their nose yeah you have no idea yeah or something worse yeah i mean that's probably pretty low stakes (laughs) but it's still an ick that you don't have i was like trying to imagine the hottest person in the world still picking his nose and like like, yeah yeah, like bradley (laughs) cooper (laughs) just like quickly getting a little that's so funny (laughs) (laughs) well so going back to how like talking about it and obsessing Mm -hmm. over it can like kind of be a slippery slope yeah i kind of want to ask heather have you ever been like tempted to cheat i think there are two different things right there's tempted to cheat inside your mind Mm -hmm. which is like am i tempted to write a suspense thriller with me as the star (laughs) right my love interest as this person And then play it over and over again, you know, play the romantic scene over and over again. 
or am I tempted to actually cheat in the moment in a room with someone else? And right. so I would say fantasizing about someone repeatedly is a gateway drug to cheating yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I agree. But I mean, I found that when I was actually face to face with this person, it did not seem, I mean, there were reasons for this, but it didn't seem that intense or romantic or necessarily that um, exciting hmm. because because the quality of sort of film that I was directing in my head was much higher <laughs> much better than reality yeah you know? it's like he'd be staring at his phone and I'd be looking at his teeth going his teeth are a little weird yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh this is a low budget version right <laughs> well I've never seen him in this lighting before yeah Exactly. I think if you constantly had, you know, perfect lighting dinners with people, mm-hmm. it would be difficult, right? I know. But, we'd all um, just fall in love with each other. Over and over. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the, the solution to world peace is we just all have dinner together in a really nice lighting. Candlelit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Then it would start affairs. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, it would go bad. World peace and and marital uh, marital discord. Exactly, exactly. So Heather, I want to just turn back to the reader for a second, um, who's in the situation. So so far, they're handling their crush respectfully, but they, I don't think they can avoid this person forever, right? Because they work together. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like she was saying, "I try to avoid this person." Yeah, right? yeah. And I think it must be, I mean, even if you're in like a virtual work environment, you're still going to have to see this person, you know, on Zoom or, you know, I Mm -hmm. I don't know what the solution is if you can't avoid someone forever. Well, I mean, I think part of the solution is what you suggested, which is just imagine them farting in the bed at night. Yeah. That that always kills it. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Yeah. Or like managing your own expectations about them. Yeah. And, like, maybe coming to terms with, like, hey, okay, this is a crush. Yeah. It's more of a fantasy than it is anything else. Right. Right. Exactly. But also, I want to say, like, 18 months is a long time. It's a really long time. Which makes me feel like maybe there are certain situations where it's, like, the attraction is building. Yeah. Or maybe it is just the whole, like, I don't know, the temptation of it all, the, like, secrecy or... Yeah. Whatever that kind of drives it. Yeah. I mean, Heather, as someone who writes for a living, I feel like you would know best, but people, I think, like to romanticize things in their mind entirely. So how much of this do you think is, you know, the reader talking this crush up in their head? I think a lot, right, Heather? Yeah, because, you know, she's not gathering that much information. She doesn't sound like she's interacting with him that much, except just in these rooms full of people at Mm -hmm. meetings, right? Yeah. What is she doing with what she sees? I mean, it's all interpretation. Yeah. Sounds like she's just internalizing it all. Yeah. And especially about like, you know, decidedly not speaking during meetings. Right. I'm sure probably exacerbates it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because like, it's like you're being weird. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very plainly. And like, oh, I cannot speak because he is here. Yeah. I'm also like wondering like how this girl's job performance is going. Like (laughs) if she's not doing anything, I'm like, oh, you got to get up. Yeah. (laughs) She's afraid of seeming like making it obvious, basically. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, like the forbidden nature probably makes it even like Mm -hmm. hotter. Um, But I wonder like... This avoidance thing, it must be making it worse because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't get to see all their qualities. You don't get to, like, be exposed. So I wonder if, like, just talking to this person more or making, like, a weird habit of just, like, saying hello to them 
just to right. like get that exposure out of the way might be helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is Cosmo. I can generalize, right? Yeah. Come <laughs> men. Yeah, please. Yes. We do it all the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a man who is forced to sit and look at you and listen to you is sometimes an extremely attractive thing and also somewhat hard to find out in the wild at times. Yeah. Exactly. Such a rare gem yeah. when they're listening. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the thing with my crush was that he is a very curious person. He's a writer and he's kind of a writer slash journalist. So there's a quality of attention that he was giving me that I hadn't seen in a man in a long time. Not that my husband doesn't listen to me, but just in another man, right? Right, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was sort of like, oh, you know, you can you can develop the illusion that someone is extremely attuned and present when you first meet them and you first mm-hmm. interact right. with them. Right. And then you get right. to know them and it's sort of like, no, this person has no special quality that I've never encountered before mm-hmm. is something right. to tell yourself if you really want to get over it. Because your thesis with a crush is there's some connection between us that's really strange and special. And the more I look, the more I'm going to see more and more and more of this energy. Mm -hmm. And if you change your thesis to this is a very ordinary person, there is nothing special between us at all. And the more I watch him, the more I'm going to notice the things that would actually drive me crazy. Yeah. I think mostly at work, too, you're not talking about politics, you're not talking about religion, you're not talking about, you know, whether or not you support LGBTQ rights, like, Mm -hmm. and those are usually things that if you don't align, it's like, well, the crush would almost automatically disappear if if you're very valued in those areas. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if like, you know, it's again, it's just a facade of a person that you're looking at. Yeah. And it almost feels like, like the driving force of a crush usually tends to be novelty. Yeah, exactly. Just like, Oh, this shiny new thing. Right, and right. You get up close and you're like, oh, it's not as shiny as I thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there might just be nothing right. there. It's just a blob. Yeah, it was just a blob. <laughs> Absolutely. When I was writing my book about marriage and in the crush chapter of Foreverland, uh, one of the things that I wrote was first of all, I said to my husband, I would daydream about sleeping with SpongeBob SquarePants if I thought about him this much. Like I'm fueling something that's just absurd. And the other thing right. was that I said was anything besides, I've been married for you know 16 years at this point, anything besides what I've been doing seems amazing. Like you could right. drop me down mm-hmm. in the middle of Ohio and introduce me to a bowler. I'd be like, wow, joining a bowling team. <laughs> right. That would be completely different than what the rest of my life is going to look like, which is the last 15 years. You know, it's, right. it's it's natural to say, what kind of a life could I have otherwise? Yes. You know, once you're married, it's like a crush represents a kind of alternative timeline in some ways that mm-hmm. can be seductive, even mm-hmm. though you're perfectly happy. Right. And it's convenient to reach you on days when things are either like boring or like your your husband partner is like being annoying. Yeah. And you could just yeah. escape for a second. Exactly. Speaking of, I guess, escaping or like dissipating crushes, like yeah. how how have you let go of a crush? Was it like time or like? Yeah. I feel like for me, it's just been mostly like learning more information or just like spending less time around the person um, mm-hmm. or like stalking them too deep on social media or like LinkedIn and finding some like weird stuff 
Um, yes. How about you, Heather? You know, getting to know someone definitely sort of half kills it. Not because they're terrible, but just because you can see that they're mortal because the crush kind of depends mm-hmm. on them being supernatural at some level. Yeah. And also, like, not being able to direct every scene and <laughs> feed them the dialogue right. that you want to hear. Yeah. But also, I think there's a way that when you're living in your inside your head and whatever your body and you're kind of like fantasizing about someone, you often just want this kind of quality of connection that you may already have in some ways or that you need to work on in your relationship. Mm. Um, and 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 sometimes like I think that the the main thing for me has just been moving from the imagined kind of quality of romantic connection that I could have with someone to the reality of what what I actually am after connection wise and what you know it's almost like I have this strange like artistic imaginative idea of what you know falling in love is like I think um that kind of gets me by the throat sometimes and I think (laughs) Mm -hmm. the question is like how to reach that state with my husband and also how to reach that state on my own is honestly like sort of more relevant. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Uh, And I wonder too, in this confession, the person says that it's so painful as nothing will ever happen between us, but the infatuation is so persistent. Like she says that there's pain. I wonder um, where we draw the line between a crush and emotional cheating and how, you know, emotional cheating can play into relationships at large. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think that, Emotional cheating is, you know, it really is defined by a conversation with your partner, essentially. Like, I feel like the things that people define as emotional cheating, I don't really define as cheating as long as it's obvious to my husband what kind of dialogue I have or a conversation I have with someone. Mm. During COVID, I became really good friends with this songwriter who's still a great friend and he was going through a divorce and we just talked a lot about our lives and about what was going on with him and how Mm. he was going to move forward. And um, my husband knew every step of the way exactly how much I was sharing with him. And I would tell him stories about my friend. And like, I think the cheating part is just how honest are you being? And and also how privileged, Mm. what kind of privileged information is this person getting? Mm. If you're lying to your husband and then you're complaining about your husband to the other person, I mean, that to me is kind of at the heart of emotional cheating, Um, creating a rarefied kind of air around the dialogue and creating like a kind of texting that's flirtatious and behaving Mm. in a way that you would be embarrassed if your partner knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, embarrassingly intimate and also like privileging, privileging the the conversation with the new person over the conversation you continue to have mm-hmm. with your partner. I'm curious to know, how would you, if, if your partner was emotionally cheating, how would you go about, I guess, like confronting that or like not confronting that? Like, mm. um, how would you deal with it? Well, I think the big question and the best sort of approach to when you have suspicions is just, I mean, it's obvious, but having an extremely honest conversation where your partner can say, feels comfortable telling you 
how they feel about the connection they have with the other person. I mean, this is like a high level of difficulty. Let me just be clear. Yes. Um, But I do think that if you really are crazy about someone and you're committed to them and they are um, in a kind of dicey situation with someone else and they're possibly emotionally cheating on you or getting a little charge from texts from this person, even if it's just a coworker or even if it's just a friend or an ex. Yeah. I think it's really important to, you know, to actually put yourself in a place where you try to understand how it might feel to sort of want a little extra intrigue in your life, you know, just open yourself up to that state of mind for a minute and then try not to take the information you get personally. And I say this because you're going to find out how serious it is the more you talk to the person and you're going to understand where your relationship stands based on the conversation you have. And it's also true that if you are in a situation where someone is, even if they're actively cheating on you, you're married and you want to save your marriage, you have to be the person who the other person is completely honest with Mm. if you want to save it, right? So like if they can only tell this random person everything that they're feeling, how restless they've been feeling, how depressed they've been feeling, how much they just need something new in their lives. If they can only talk to this new person about it, it's going to be very hard for them to recognize what you two have together. But the second that they feel comfortable, this is why so many uh, men in particular say, I'm going to leave my wife for you. The second they start having honest conversations with their wives, the relationship is injured or over with right. the lover mm-hmm. yeah. because you're always going to find out what's there when you're completely honest with someone and you're always going to, you're often going to reconnect and rediscover, you know, the strength of your connection. Yeah. And I think it's also important for, you know, if you're going to talk to your partner, like to have some evidence because like you said, Heather, like, you know, once you start being honest with someone, you can't really turn back. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you go, hey, by the way, I, I think you, you might be cheating. Um, they're going to remember that for, you know, eternity. And if it's not true, then that really sucks. Um, right. But, you know, so yeah, there's always going to be a little bit of a resentment if it's not true. But look, I think that if you're if you're married, it's actually really useful to not to look for evidence and actually to feel curious at every mm-hmm. stage in your marriage. And so, totally. you know, if you can tolerate it, and granted, you have to have a reasonably strong relationship probably to tolerate it, but actually being in a situation where you're asking, how do you feel about this person when you text mm-hmm. them? How do you feel mm-hmm. when you get a response? Like, do you get a little hit of dopamine from it? I'm just curious. I can understand that, you know, mm-hmm. like saying, mm-hmm. I get it. Keeping someone on your side, you know, and aligned with you so, mm-hmm. and also making it safe for someone to feel like they can be completely honest with you is difficult work, but it's it's much more relaxing ultimately mm-hmm. than, yeah. you know, doing detective work and also asking for reassurance and also honesty when mm-hmm. you're actually the form of reassurance you want is dishonest reassurance And the form of honesty you want is limited honesty in certain areas, but not total honesty. You know, I mean, to me, it's like it's cleaner actually to just really get to a place where you're curious and you what you want is honesty. You want to know more about what this person's desires are. 
basically, right. and what makes them happy. Yeah. I have a devil's advocate question to ask. Um, if this listener can kind of like compartmentalize this crush, should she bring this kind of crush energy into her sex life with her husband? Yeah, I think so. I think it depends. Obviously, like, I'm not saying like, you know, when you're being intimate with your partner, close your eyes and imagine your crush. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe like this is a good chance to be introspective mm -hmm. and be yeah. like, is it the novelty that I am going after? Mm -hmm. Therefore, do we need to switch some things up with yeah. my partner or what? Yeah. You know, this was the first conversation I had with my husband about it after laughing about it. Right. He was like, what, you don't fantasize about people ever? Like, have you, and I'm like, no. He's <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. Sort, of, <laughs> sort of normal. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah. You know, we ended up having a long conversation about it the second time we talked about it. And it was a really good conversation. It was sort of like a shift. I mean, I, you know, anything with when you've been dating or, or seeing each other or living together for a long time, anything that's sort of like, oh, you know, there's this new intensity because we're being extra honest with each other about what's going on yeah. with us. Um, yeah. It can be really feel really inspiring and good. And that's how that's the shape it took. And so I think that it was easier to keep talking about it. But also, you know, I started ordering this is embarrassing, but start ordering lingerie, you know, I mean, it's, it's like a cliche, it. but I mean, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was into it, you know, it was like it was fun. I started having more fun with mm -hmm. our sex life. And that was a good thing at the time. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something like, you know, attractive about being like open and honest and therefore free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also just like if you're, you know, if your sex drive happens to be low and your relationship that you've been in for X amount of years, like it's nice to kind of like have that like little kindling somewhere yeah. else that might just like pick it back up. Right. Heather, do you have any final advice do you think for our listener who is struggling with this work crush? Look at the things that you really want, you know, just get out of your head. I mean, it's it's such a transmutation of, of deeper desires that mm -hmm. are maybe going unfulfilled. Is it about ambition? Is it about actually about wanting to be this guy? Which is right. like, I, I think maybe 80% of all crushes is about <laughs> just wanting to be, not be with them, but actually have aspects of your life look like theirs. Um, and what, what areas of your life feel a little stagnant or a little closed off? And how can you get to a more open-hearted, open-minded, vulnerable state about what your future might look like? I mean, mm -hmm. you're the author of your story and there are endless possibilities packed into every day and you can change um, a lot of things in your life that you think of as stagnant and unchangeable. And we all kind of use crushes and affairs as like an excuse for breaking out of the things we don't want as mm -hmm. like a, a way of moving into a fantasy mindset when actually we can just say, start, I mean, one thing that my husband and I said to each other often during that time was, if you could do anything, what would you do? If you could mm -hmm. live anywhere, if you, you know, and it wasn't like we were about to, you know, move our kids to Bali or anything, but right. um, <laughs> But just having those conversations is a way of realizing that you're a free agent in your world and you can change a lot of things that you just don't, it doesn't occur to you to change. Yeah, that's really good advice. Kim, do you have any final words of advice? I think 18 months is a really long time. Yeah. And if like 18 months of doing the same thing isn't working, then it's like, 
we need to change something. Yeah. And maybe that something is being more introspective, mm-hmm. being more transparent with their partner. Yeah. Or maybe like if it really is, you know, she used the word painful. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it is looking for a different job. Yeah. Or yeah. transferring departments. I don't know if that's possible for them, but yeah. Yeah. Hopefully she finds an ick or something that will just like tip it off yes. her plate. <laughs> Okay, we're going to do a little bonus segment since we're talking about crushes. I want to ask everybody in the room, who was your first celebrity crush and who is your biggest celebrity crush right now? My first celebrity crush was Harrison Ford. Uh, Ooh. I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater mm, 12 times. (laughs) Wow. Just kept raking the leaves and making money and going back to the theater to see it again. Just out of the old days. Yes, sir. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, I made an ashtray that I painted I Heart Harrison on it. (laughs) Um, and I would sit around in my room imagining him being madly in love with me. Oh my God, Heather. You know, meanwhile, he was like my mom's age. Right. He actually dated a friend of my mom's in college. Oh my God. Completely not my generation. And then, uh, current celebrity crush. I mean, okay, this is again about the maximum of patheticness that could exist in the universe, but I can't wait. I saw, (laughs) this is terrible. I saw, Magic Mike for the I saw the the follow up the extra large right follow up yeah. um yeah. first right and I was like what is this stupid Magic Mike crap yeah. you know so I went with a bunch of other moms and suburban moms in L A yeah. and I was like oh Jesus like I yeah. get it yeah good you get movie it. so I was like okay Channing Tatum damn like embarrassing oh yeah. And, you know, just like movement, it's interesting to have a, a crush on someone who can dance. Like it's it's rare to kind yeah. of, I think maybe for my generation in particular, just like to kind of say, oh, he's kind of sort of macho, but he also is really good at dancing. Ooh, Ooh it's right. a nice package. <laughs> How about you, Kim? My first crush <laughs> was Cole Sprouse in the Sweet Life. It was back when they were very much preteens. Yes. Um, And it's funny because I liked Cole, Uh but not Dylan, even though they're they're twins. twins. (laughs) (laughs) I always have to laugh when people have crushes like on one person in a set of identical twins. I'm like, what's the, there's a very specific ick that you get about the other person. I mean, even with like identical twins, you just, there's something different. Yeah. But I think for me, the the big part of that. That baby crush was yeah. his character that he played. I don't. I, so I never watched The Sweet Life of Zack and oh. Cody. So what was his character like? His character is like the supposed to be like the foil to his twin, right? So okay. his, so Cole's character was like the smarty pants, mm-hmm. very responsible type A. Okay, and then Zack, his twin, was like um, crazy, like and, a bad boy, um, mischievous. Okay, and was not the greatest in school okay so they had this dynamic and i guess like growing up and being asian american Mm -hmm. i had it very instilled in me (laughs) that like good grades are a great thing yes (laughs) i looked at cole and i was like i would like that wow it's the pinnacle (laughs) of everything that is good yeah and then i guess my biggest crush now i don't really have a celebrity crush right now and I, I'm going to sound a little unhinged for this, but I guess because okay. I'm in like a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. And to me, like I am terrified 
of cheating. <laughs> Both on like, not that like I suspect him whatsoever, right. but yeah. just like that is my biggest fear in a relationship yeah. is getting cheated on. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also like I'm scared of being a cheater and right. not saying that like I feel like I have it within me either. Right. But because of these fears, I'm so like, no, I'm only thinking about Single him. focus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was like that too. I was like that too. Just you wait. TikTok. Just you wait down the line. Just might be oh, Channing Tatum no. for you too. <laughs> my boyfriend and I have been watching Grey's Anatomy from the beginning. I'd never seen it before. And my crush on that is Patrick Dempsey. I've actually talked about him like three times on the show. Like this will be my like hyperfixation crush goal is that like Patrick Dempsey is like listening to this in one of his like fancy cars and it's like Mia from New York. <laughs> so there we go. That was our collection of crushes. We hope to hear from all of you um, what your celebrity crushes were and how unhinged they might be. I love when people are also like sexually attracted to like cartoon characters. Have oh, you ever- I was going to say, I think I also lied a little bit, but it was just, I don't know how problematic this will sound, but um, Tommy Pickles. Tommy Pickles, Kim. He's it a baby. Wasn't, it wasn't, I know. That's a, but it wasn't like, oh, I would like to make out with this baby. You just had a crush on him for his character? I was just like, man, I like leaders. <laughs> oh my God. Kim's char- character traits really shine through. I like straight A's. Straight A's, good character. <laughs> Leaders of the honor society or whatever. <laughs> so she's not about looks, you guys. It's about what's inside. Well, th- thank you so much for adding that. Um, oh and, and Heather, thank you so much for your time today. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, this is a good subject. I could talk for three more hours. Thanks a lot for having me. <laughs> thank it was you. really fun. Thank you so much. Fake smile at time when I see you. Cosmo Confessions is made in collaboration with Edit Audio. I'm your host, Mia Lardier. This episode was produced by Mia Lardier, Ali Sirwa, and Maria Passingham. It was edited, mixed, and mastered by Maria Passingham. Thank you to our production manager, Kathleen Speckert, and our executive producer, Steph Colburn. As always, thank you to the whole Cosmo and Edit Audio teams for their time and input. And an extra special shout out to our guests and to you for listening. Now tell us your secrets. Link is in the show notes. Secrets, secrets are no fun unless you tell me one.